I feel instructed from God. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not um, hesitant on that. I feel instructed from God to, to preach and teach tonight. I won't be long, but I want to, I want to offer something to all of us, um, maybe individually, but also as a body, a group, a church, this family of believers. And I don't do this uh, because I don't have the functions to do it. I suppose I could figure it out. But when things are said online, people give a response to that. Uh, Some are with emojis. Some are with written words. Some give a heart sign or a thumbs up, a like, other responses. And so to to this word that I deliver tonight, I want all of you to give a response. Uh, Now, I'm not asking for an emoji or heart, like, a laugh, whatever. But I'd like for you to respond uh, with your life. I'd like for your life to be the response. Because what I present tonight, you can't find an emoji for. There are not enough words that you can Type to respond to the word. But this is a daily venture and your life will be the response. Amen. And for those that are watching live or you will in a day to come to watch this, I, it was never in my intention to, to live stream or to, to have this um, communication via media. It was really uh, by default, actually. Uh, though the, the media team wanted me to do this, it was really because of Sister Janet Jenkins and suffering from leukemia and loved the church and gave herself to the church and she couldn't come. And so we we tried to figure out a way for her to watch the services live. And finally, after some doing this is what we came up with with a live stream I'm preaching and delivering this word to all of us through the New Life family both live here in the building or maybe in a day or two when you're able to see this but in my peripheral vision the Lord spoke to me today I was in the backyard and in my peripheral vision there are other churches that are going to see this and um, I want you to pay attention to this for your assembly also Luke chapter 2 now I didn't waste any words just now I hope you heard every word that I just said these are not introductory words to pass time Luke chapter 2 verse 46 and I'll read just four verses in your hearing and then we'll be seated And it came to pass that after three days they found him, meaning Jesus, in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. When they saw him, they, meaning Joseph and Mary, they were amazed. His mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Why, 
Why have you done this? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Jesus said, How is it that you sought me? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? And I speak tonight to both, both preach and teach the family business. And I want to invite all of you in the coming days to join the family business. Amen. And all the people said amen. And before you see to turn to someone and say, I'm ready to join the family business. Tell them, I'm ready to join the, I'm, I'm going to get in this family business. attention here right now just like a snap of your mind pay attention to Luke chapter 2 if you're like us we read the early portion of it yesterday but now there are three significant verses of transition in Luke chapter 2 it's a mystery to those of us who study the word Verse 39, I did not read it to you, but I will. Verse 39 was the conclusion of Joseph and Mary's obligation toward the law of Moses concerning a newborn son. When they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. They're fresh from their obligation That's verse 39. Verse 40 is the summary of the next 12 years of the life of Jesus. The child grew, waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. 12 years. 12 years have passed between verse 39 and verse 40. The obscurity of it is both profound and perplexing. This incarnate God growing by design, both learning and yet knowing all things. He will one day tell the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. And yet he grew and gained in wisdom. He is both fully man and fully God. And then comes verse 41, where we find the entire family with many friends back in Jerusalem for their customary feast. It's a blink of an eye and Jesus will give us a glimpse into his earthly life. You won't find him again until a family friend is married in Cana of Galilee and only then because Mary wants him in attendance with her. You're just going to see him for a brief moment at 12 years old. Just a few verses that I read to you in our text. That's it. From 2 years old to 30 years old, just... One brief intersection, a 12-year-old Jesus, a momentary time. So why here? Why this moment? The brevity of it is not to keep us interested in the life and times of Jesus Christ, no. It's not a random thought that the biblical writers believed worthy enough to include in the Holy Writ. There could be a thousand of such wonders if that be the case, but no, This was a sign and a signal to the church 
to anyone who has ears to hear and a heart to practice the word. He introduced, introduced us to the family business. I've long wondered about God's family business. Religious practices, especially Pentecostalism, has often clouded itself in a hazy mix of ritual, sometimes apathy, often purposeless pursuits. Jesus, however, sets the precedent the day they found him in the temple. He was not ahead of his time. He was setting forth a declaration of what he wanted all of us to do and to be. His concern and worried parents had searched for him for three days. They were on their way back home when suddenly they realized he was not with them. And they went back to Jerusalem. Of course, the place was crowded and they had no idea where to look. They finally found him teaching the learned men, the doctors. They were astonished at his understanding and answers. There were no questions that Jesus could not answer, even at that tender age of 12. And though we are not privy to the conversation, it is apparent that Jesus was setting forth the path he would one day visit again in the future. When Mary told the Lord how much they had worried and they were concerned, he brushed her away in her concern, trumping her maternal instinct for the purpose of his birth. He replied to his mother and reminded her of how he came to be. Didn't you know? You should have known, mother. I am about my father's business. It's a signal that Joseph was, in fact, not his father, and there was a higher call. It was a reminder of his virgin birth, the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. Now, to those of you who read other biblical versions of the Bible, I just want you to note that the original text does not mean the father's house, though that is listed in some other versions of the Bible. It says, I must be about my father's house. No, that's not right. This is a misinterpretation of the scripture. It was not merely the father's house. It was the father's affairs, the line of work, or a divine vocation. The King James and the New King James says it right. I must be about my father's business. Some translations have minimized the scripture to say that he had to go to the father's house or to the temple. But that is a deluded interpretation that fails to capture the moment and the intent of the Lord. Why he showed himself to us at 12 years old. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He came as a man to do the work designed by the eternal spirit. It was the father's business and it was more than just the temporal house where the Pharisees sat and debated. Didn't you know, Jesus said? You should have known. The business of heaven. It's the business of the eternal spirit. It's the business of the body. It's the purpose of the father. There is no other business, ladies and gentlemen, than this business. There are no other vocations like this vocation. There are no other callings like this call. And the failure of churches happen when people, leadership and saints and members, all of the above, forget what business they are called to perform. A day after Christmas. In the same chapter, a day after the introduction of Jesus in the temple. A single verse of mystery and the Lord is ready to get on with the family business. He'll just pause for a moment to allow us to see him in the temple. And then it's the family business. And from there, it's a quick trip to the Cana of Galilee wedding. 
So both tonight and the weeks to come, and perhaps forever, we're going to always talk about the Father's business. Now I've come to impart, but I'm careful in that endeavor. It cannot be me, it is really the Holy Spirit. I'm always concerned when ministers say, I want to give you an impartation, because the impartation really comes from the Holy Spirit. Even the word impart comes from the Greek, I'm sorry, from the Latin root word imparter, and it also then derived from the old French word impartire, meaning to share information or to give some understanding. This is Luke chapter 3. It's sharing a coat. He answered them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. That means a sharing. But the early church and the early church elders, even among the men of the 20th century, believed that there were times of impartations, meaning to impart or to instill a planted truth or even spiritual gifts from one to another. It came by the way of laying on of hands. They did it often. We find that in Romans chapter 1 verse 11, Paul's letter to the church at Rome. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established because there were spiritual gifts that they needed to be established. So there was two different understandings. One was to share and one was to implant something powerful and spiritual. It was a transfer of both understanding and maybe even a spiritual gifting. The objective was to perpetuate the supernatural gifts and understandings among the body. So for me to preach about the family business, I want to impart something both to share and maybe through the Holy Spirit to impart a spiritual desire among all the people who are here and will watch in days to come. But you have to have an open heart to receive it. You might even have to employ a desire for a new intent or a new spirit in your own life. You might have to learn a new way. Let it be both the sharing of a burden and the implanting of a spiritual truth. (laughs) Now for those of you who have been here for a long time, and I've baptized or someone here has baptized, you found the Lord here. I want to say to you, thank God that you're here. It's a wonderful thing. We're growing together. If you've come by way of another preacher or another pastor and he taught you truth, it's wonderful. I'm so glad. So if you've transferred into this house, I want you to consider this, that you have to adapt yourself to this house and to adopt me as your pastor. When I look at at, at those who are waiting for heart transplants and liver transplants and lung transplants, the fact of the matter is that the organ, the transplanted organ never makes a demand on the body. In fact, it has to adopt to the body the rhythm of the heart, the blood, the type. The body does not adjust to the new organ. The organ has to adjust to the body. So I have a way. I have a humor. It may not be good humor. It may be old and stale. I might forgot that I told you that joke already and say it again, but just adopt and smile at least. Humor me for a moment. I have a pattern. I have a way. Sometimes I sing. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I introduce new songs to you during the sermon that you may or may not like. But it's just my pattern. (laughs) I have a passion. Both Tammy and I have a desire. It's an all-out desire. We play hard. We pray hard. We work hard. And we don't have time for people who want to play games. We don't mind where people come from. It doesn't really matter what they wear or what they do. It's not, it's not where you're at in Christ or in your walk with God. It's where you're heading. That's my concern. 
Because people have been working, and so, I'm sorry, people have been knowing the Lord for a long time, but they're headed in the wrong direction. And nothing concerns me more than spiritual people that turn carnal or the saved that become lustful and carnal. Yes. Amen. So I'm already feeling good right now. Praise God. You see, we have to be about the work of the kingdom. The kingdom is critical. The father's business. The work of the ministry. The building up of the body. The love for the lost. The raising up of an apostolic generational church. This is the family business, and I pray that all who hear this will join the family business. I'm inviting all of you this year, join, come join me in the family business. This is the family business. Amen. And in kind, to the words of that 12-year-old Jesus, the Messiah, I ask you tonight, what did you expect of me? Did you expect me to pacify the half-hearted churchgoer who has a distaste for commitment? Have I been so long time with you? And if you don't know me by now, you will never, never know me. See how that happened just now? He keeps singing those songs. <laughs> Have Tammy and I been here long enough for you not to know that we want to raise up a real apostolic congregation that sees miracles, signs, and wonders that defend the gospel? Stands up for holiness, right living, and the balance of joy, fellowship, consecration, and soberness. It's a family business. Amen. Now, these family businesses and the tenants of them are not hard to find. I've read so many testimonies from actual restaurant owners and family-owned bakeries. And the country of Spain has an amazing shoe business. There's a lot of families that have been making shoes for, for several decades. In fact, over a century of time. And they're... Their industry is far removed from the, from the dairy and cheese industry in Italy and France, but they all have very similar family traits and tenets. And I'm going to list just five of them for you because they're critical for us. And you might have to go back to the sermon and get on the podcast or, or find this again and just take a little note when you're, when you're at your own table or in your couch or chair because they're critical for us to know these things. I found these and... And they're all about the same. So I just picked out the five that I, I thought were relevant for us to be in the family business. Here's the first tenet of the family business, regardless of where they are in the world. They all said of their founding fathers, their dads, some of them are great-grandfathers, some of them are great-great-grandfathers. They had pictures of them. Some of the people that spoke and wrote did not even know, had never met their great-great-grandfathers. But they said, all said, number one, dad's value became our culture. And then they pluralized that. Some says his values became our culture. Let me tell you about our father's values. The first of his values is his nature. Luke 4.18. Jesus stood up and read this. Came from Isaiah. He read this. That the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because think of that. Wait a second. Think of that. Wait, 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 wait. Every day people would go to the temple and they were reading through a book. It's not coincidence that the day that Jesus took his turn to read. It came at this moment he was going to read this verse of the Old Testament, it was divinely ordered 
that this is the day Jesus got to read this scripture because that was the scripture daily reading. And Jesus stood up and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Here's the nature of the father. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He sat down. He said, this day is fulfilled in your hearing. That's his nature. He wants people to be free. He knows they're broken-hearted people. Here's his mission, Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses. That's the mission. Here, Jerusalem, everywhere, and all the earth, you'll be a witness after the Holy Ghost. Here's his heart. When he saw the multitudes in Matthew 9, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest because the people needed to hear something. That was the heart of the Lord. You want to know his values. His values have to become our culture. The culture of the church is not for us to come and just to hear a preacher preach or a teacher teach. That can't be our culture. Our culture is to help people, to know the Father's heart, his mission, his desire, his sight. It's a family business. You didn't start this family. I didn't start it. No one here began this. This is a family business. Amen. And number two, they said in the family businesses, some the shoe industry, some the fabric industry, some the restaurant industry. In fact, in one of those family businesses, they had a farm. It was a large farm. It's been in the family for over 150 years. They said we had to communicate the right way among each other. They called it our in-house words. And the in-house words set the environment for the product we, we sold. They never minimized what they said to one another or how they treated one another. Here's Peter. He said, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You see, that family knew that whatever they said inside the house, it was going to determine what came out of that house. Now, if you don't want to be in the family business, you need to leave the house and find another thing to do. Because if you're in the house and you're hurting the house, then you're creating a dysfunctional family business. And the product is no good. First Peter 4, 9. Are you, are you catching me now? I'm going to use this, mother. Can you feel me? You taught me that. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Romans 12.10 Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor. Prefer one another. Jesus said, The only way people are going to know that you belong to me is if you have love one to another. So if you attend this house or you go to a church and you are a member of the church, don't ever speak against the church. Would you walk around and tell everyone how terrible your family is? I hate my husband. My kids are horrible. I got a terrible, I got a terrible life. You do? Yes. Why don't you come on to my house? I'd like you to have dinner. No, we'd rather not come to your house. 
How would you like to be invited to someone's house, but they kept telling you how bad everything was? Picking out everything. Listen, why would you cut the hand that feeds you? Why would you speak ill? The family business is going to implode. Do you know why many churches never grow? They, 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 they are decaying. They're in decay. I'll tell you why. Because the in-house words are horrible. There's no preference for one another. Have compassion on one another. Think about what you're saying instead of being critical. Because the family, did you not understand the value of the, of the father? The father's value was that he forgave you, even though you didn't deserve to be forgiven. And you didn't earn it. And you didn't die on the cross. And nothing you could do to earn his blood, but he gave it to you. So if the father's values was to save you and his nature was to heal your broken heart, the last thing you want to do is speak ill of the family that God put you in. I feel like preaching a little bit and I hope someone realizes this. When you open up your mouth, remember, that person you're talking about is blood-bought. The blood of Jesus paid for their sins. You didn't pay for them. And until you pay for them, you can't point them out. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I want you to join the family business. And the family business has something that is trying to get outside the doors. But the product is not going to be any good if there's hatefulness inside the family. I'm going to get to this now. Here's number three that the people said. This is the, this is the, the world's view of a family industry. They said, always remember to serve. They said, we exist to serve. One person wrote... The moment we forget that we need to serve, that's the moment we are overtaken by the corporate industry. And the corporate industry doesn't care about the customer like we do. They said, we're really not about the bottom line. We're about making sure our customers are satisfied with the product. They said, the corporate industry don't care. They really don't care. They just want people to come in and buy the product and leave. But we care because we're a family business and we live and die by the amount of service we give to them. We back up our product, not with a written agreement, but with our integrity. Can you imagine? Here's Galatians 5, 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws are filled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor just as you love yourself. But if... Ye bite and devour one another. Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. It's a family business. You serve one another. We serve. We give to one another. We prefer one another without grudging. We don't say, I always serve. Why do they never serve? <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples after the many arguments that they had, Jesus said, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Serving is part of the family business. So I, a word to the wise. Those of you who love the Facebook. I don't know where these terms come from. But, but in the South they call it the Walmart It's not a, an esteemed institution. It's not the Library of Congress. It's the Walmart. But in the South, they often call it as if it's some wonderful monument. We're going to the Walmart. 
<laughs> when you go to the Walmart or the things that you can get at the Walmart they sell products at the Walmart they serve but not really they, they serve you for their own benefit it's a corporate structure they house a lot of products from the Walmart came the Amazon and they have obliterated the family businesses now this is good for many people and chances are you'll see me at the Walmart this coming week mm -hmm. there's something about the service though of those people who care about the single product and they serve the people who walk through their door and I've often said this but I think it, it bears repeating that the church is the only institution that's created for the benefit of its non-members it's a body of believers this is a family business we stick together. We hold together. Now, I will, I'm standing here to tell you something, and I, it pains me to say it. But in this calendar year, this coming calendar year, some will leave us because they don't want to be in this business. And some will join us because they're hungry for this business. Now, and I don't want that to be. But some are going to walk out because they really don't want to be apostolic. They don't want to be submissive. They don't want the family business. They're in it for themselves. Mm -hmm. But others are going to come join us because they're desperate for a real apostolic move of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so before you put anything on the Facebook that could be taken any way, maybe you made it the right way, but it could be taken another way. Be very careful before you do that because you're hurting the family business. It'd be better for you not to have the Facebook than to have the Facebook and to put something that's questionable on it. That's not the response I'm looking for, but trust me when I tell you, until we all get control of the things we type, I'm going to keep preaching against this nonsense day after day, because you're killing the family business, and you're hurting the family structure, and the father's business has to be paramount, not your business. Listen, I already feel a welling up of the human spirit right now. I don't know. I just felt this weight that people are looking at me saying, you're not going to tell me what to do, but I'm going to stand here. I'm going to preach this until it drives you to either join the family business or get in your own business because we got a mission to do. It's God's kingdom. We cannot afford to mess up the family business. The only reason why I care about the numbers is because for every one number, that's an eternal soul. That's the only reason why I care about the number. When I say we're going to reach a thousand people, what I really mean is we got to reach a thousand souls that are going to spend eternity somewhere. I'm not just trying to fill the house with people who hate the message. I'm trying to fill the house with people that need God and want to go to heaven. Uh. 
Come on, you join a family business when you walk into this house and you got people that want the Lord. We want to have a move of God. We want to see a miracle in this house. We want to see revival in this place. And I have been asked many times, well, how do I get, how, how, how do I get involved? I'll tell you how you get involved. Serve. You can serve your way into leadership much better than you will apply for leadership. There are no applications here. You can serve your way into any place in this house because that's how you're promoted in the family business. <laughs> Oh. Hallelujah. Number four, they said, this is, this is a bizarre thing, but they, they said this and I'm just reading what they said. It was almost like a collective thought. They said, we all hold to the same standard. Now, I think what they were meaning with the same standard of industry or the same standard of product or whatever. No matter the age of each family member. They had an expectation of it. They had an expectation that, that you are never too young to get into the family business. And that young or old... It was critical that they all held to the same standard. And the reason why many, many years ago, McDonald's became the number one franchise in the world, there are McDonald's everywhere, Beijing and Jerusalem. There's McDonald's franchises everywhere. The idea was that wherever you would go, you would eat the same taste. You'd have the same burger. That's... that's, that's why they became so profound because they could produce the same, you know, almost meat product. The forever french fry. It was the same. It was the same. It was the same standard. Because with the same standard, there's an expectation. And trust me when I tell you, there are people in this town that have an expectation that when they are in need, and their religious beliefs and their concepts are not working, and the doctors are not working, the medicine is not working, I'm going to tell you they have an expectation. I know because they've called me. They've said, would you just pray for me? Could someone in your church pray for me? There has to be a standard that we, that we all submit to. Standard of worship here. There are no throwaway church services. Not even the day after Christmas. There are no, we're going to have a Holy Ghost on Sunday night, December the 26th. We're going to have the Lord come in here. We're going to entertain the presence of God. Someone's going to walk out of He healed, renewed, restored. Someone's going to be, they're going to leave here changed. It doesn't matter what day or what night or what hour when we walk into this house and the body of believers get together and the family of God comes together and we get to worship the Lord God of hosts. He's going to meet with us and something great is going to happen. And your life is going to be settled. Yes, yes, yes. 
Did you think we just came on Sunday night, last Sunday night, just, just to have a, a, a concert? Oh no, the Holy Ghost was moving in that service. And by the time we got to the end and the choir started to sing the doctrine, oh my. They were, did you not know they were singing the doctrine? They were planting the doctrine and everybody that could hear it, they were planting the word in them. It wasn't just a Christmas musical. It was a, it was a worship and a doctrine musical. That there is but one God. He is the I am that I am. He was and which is and which is to come. The Almighty and his name is Jesus. And there's no God like him. And all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. Well, yes, that, that's, that's what we were doing here. Not a throwaway thing. It's just a, just a clever way to bring people in. It's like... Hey, you want to come to a Christmas concert? Wait, you know, that's kind of a bait and switch. I'm, I'm unapologetic. Come on in, you're going to love it. Wear something red. You got to come in red. We'll give you a free seat, free tickets. Come in, but when you come in, that what they do not know is that the Holy Ghost begins to move because prayer has been in this house. We hold to the same standard. And this was the early church that Paul wrote, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men, Titus too, be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. I'm sorry to report to you that I, myself, <laughs> have been petitioned by the AARP. It hurts my feelings that Paul's, the aged men... I, So if you're anywhere near me, you are that also. And there's sobriety. There's balance and temperance in that. Sound and faith and giving and patience. Come on, aged men. Be a pillar like you're supposed to be. Don't be wishy-washy. Come on, aged men. Stand up. Be right. Be holy. Be godly. Set forth the example of praise and worship and prayer and sacrifice and giving. Don't be floundering with the world. Don't be carnal. You're an aged man. <laughs> we'll vote on what that age will be. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, if you got the AARP in the mail, that scripture's for you. Verse 3, the aged women, uh-oh, sorry ladies, don't be afraid to be an aged woman, I didn't say old, that they be in behavior as becoming, becometh holiness, not false accusers, because you are either holy or you're a gossip, because if you're a gossip, it don't matter what you put on, you're unholy. How we doing? I'm feeling really good here on Sunday night. I'm coming off a of sugar high. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you now. Come on, ladies. It's time to be holy. Stop chasing the fads of the world. Not giving to much wine. But teachers of good things. That's right. Amen. Here's verse 4. 
that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Because the only way you're going to be a teacher is if you also are a holy woman, teacher of good things, and then you tell us how to love the husbands, love children, to be discreet. You can't be discreet if you take every selfie in the world and put it out there for everybody to see. Keepers at home. Oh, there's an anti-American concept. Isn't it strange how the Bible defies everything that's going on in our world today? Does that make you angry? Keep your home. I want you to lay hands on people and have ministries, but if your home is a wreck, stop putting your hands on everyone else and put your hands back on your home. Oh, this is... We'll just see if this works because I'll know if you come back next week. Teaching us to be chaste. Good. Oh, oh. just read it for yourself. I'm afraid to read it out loud. (laughs) Obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. Don't be silly. Silly, foolish, vain, In all things, ladies and gentlemen, show thyself a pattern of good works. Hey, we all hold to the same standard. This is the family business. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You better write it down. You better underline it because this is part of the family business, ladies and gentlemen. Enough of the foolishness. We got to grow up. We got to work to do. If the Lord comes back in this next year, we got to be about the family's business. Stop being about your own business. Stop talking about your own business. Talk about what Jesus has done and what he can do for everybody. It's the word. Now, do you want the word? What did you expect of me? Amen. Jesus' name. And finally, number five, and I'm almost through. Number five. This is what, you can find this out where all these family businesses, farms and factories, little factories, woodworking shops and places. Number five, they said, you always have to keep the family business alive. You have to pass on the love of it and the skill of it and the purpose of it. I thought that was very unique. You had to pass on the love of it and the skill it wasn't just haphazard and the purpose of it to the next generation and they wrote if this is done then the business will thrive but if this is lost they said it only takes one generation to lose what everyone else worked for if you lose the love the skill and the purpose It only takes one generation to lose everything that everyone else worked for. There could be ten generations working for the same thing, but if one generation doesn't have the love for it, they don't have the skill, that means they don't learn, and they don't know the purpose, it's gone in one generation. I found that in the Word. I'm going to Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. He was 110 years old. Verse 9. 
They buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timathrias in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gaash. Are you with me here? Help me now. Judges 2 verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And here's the critical part. There arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And here's the next line, when they didn't know the Lord, the next generation. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. It only took one generation after that, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed. One generation later, and they didn't have any love. They had no, they had no purpose and no endeavors, no study, no word. One generation, and it was all gone. They forgot how to make the shoes. They forgot the purpose of that right grain and the mixture of that grain and what kind of milk it produced. And that if you had the right milk, then the right kind of cheese would be produced. And why you had to let the cheese sit and why you wrapped it up in the, in the linen. And they forgot that. And when they forgot how to, how to put together the restaurant, why this worked with this meal and and, and why did we do it this way? They forgot that you always stay ahead and you're making sure that the customers, they forgot when they forgot all of that, they lost it. And in a blink of an eye, the churches have died. Don't you know that all seven churches in the book of Revelation are gone? And many churches have expiration dates. Did you not know that? Did you not know that some churches live for a while? A couple generations later, they're dead, they're gone? There are churches all around these counties that used to be thriving and today they're dead. They're, they're in decay or they're shut down completely. Do you think that we're exempt? We'll always be here. That's not true. This whole building could be changed into something else. It only takes one generation and the reason why the kids don't love it and the children don't love it and the youth don't love it is because you don't love it. You didn't pass down the reason. This is, now, this is why we have communion. This is why we baptize in Jesus' name. This is, this is why we come to church. This is why we give our tithing. This is, this is why we serve one another. This is, here's the Father's heart. Here's his desires. Here are his, this is his nature. You never talk about heaven or hell. You don't think that there's, there's any eternity and you buy into this world or you get so wrapped up with politics. You're so engrossed with sports. Or gain. You think your job is so that you can have a good life. Your ambitions become, how much can I get instead of how much can I give? It only takes one generation for the next generation to say, why should I give it all? Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, you forgot that this is about God and his kingdom and you leave the family business and you say, hey, it's not that great. It's not, it's not that important. Now, Wednesday nights are not that important. And Sunday, Sunday nights are not that important. Sunday mornings, it's not that important. You can come, listen, you can, you can do this, you can do this from afar. In fact, in fact, you can have your own walk with God. And then all of a sudden, people justify their lives, not from the word, not from the preaching, but because they think themselves saved instead of looking into the word to judge whether or not God said it. And then the next day, they that rejected it, did evil in the sight of the Lord and they served Balaam and the children of Israel served the gods of the promised land. And do you think that your family's exempt? They're not exempt. 
You're only one generation from losing everything, and your grandchildren, your children will grow up. They won't even know what the Holy Ghost is. They'll say, yeah, that's the place my parents, my grandparents used to go. And then another generation will drive by and say, I don't really know what goes on there, not knowing that that was their root, but they lost it because... No one cared about the family business. I got to be about my father's business. I don't know what you're about, but I'm about my father's business. I'm about my father's business. And even if I didn't like Christmas music, I'm coming on. I'm coming to the Christmas concert because I'm about my father's business. It's not about me. It's about it's about the people that I'm serving. I got I got something I got to give somebody. It's a product that they need that they can't even buy. It's already bought for them. Here's my last scripture. Lord knows I want to go further, but I, I got time, I think. 2 Timothy 1 and 5. I love Paul's revelation of the perpetuation of generational faith. Somebody say it, generational faith. Generational faith. I have a daughter I cannot say her name. It cost me. Larry Bennett. You got any money left? Okay. I'll save you. I have a daughter. I want my daughter to connect to my mother. But my mother came from the Catholic Church. And she had no prior Heritage. She had to set her own precedent and fight for this holy way. Now, my daughter did not come from that place, but I want my daughter to sit in the same seat that my mother made. I want it to be a generational faith. That whatever my mother found when she was an 18-year-old girl and sitting in the back of White Way Tabernacle watching the Holy Rollers scream and shout and run and dance and speak in tongues and she had no idea what they were doing and the closest she, thing she ever came to, to, to God was, was the rosary. I want my daughter, who will remain nameless for the sake of $20. Because <laughs> that's what it cost. I want her... To have the same love and fight for the same faith that her grandmother found. And Paul wrote it like this. He said to Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, I rem it's reminded me about your grandmother Lois and about your mother Eunice. And I persuaded that the seat that they made, you're sitting in the same seat. So I rise to say to everybody, come on and get in the family business. Your babies need it. Your children need it. We got to have a generational apostolic church today. This is the family business. Come on, get inside the family business. Put your hands together and stand and clap and shout unto God because you're in the house and you're in the body. I want you to determine to do a couple things. I want you to determine that in the coming days, you don't have to wait till Friday. In the coming days, your heart 
will resolve to find out the desires of God and that you would pursue them with all of your mind, your body, your soul, your strength. I want you to resolve not to be a fool and talk about the issues of the family. If you know an issue, swallow it and go to the altar and pray about it. But don't be a fool and open your mouth and talk bad about anyone in the family business. You're hurting the family business. I want you to resolve that even tonight you would pray that God would make you in one accord with the body no matter where you've come from. See, some of you are getting to know me I didn't lay hands on you like I did on Scott Verbonitz over there. I didn't baptize you like I did him. He's my baby. He's my six foot four, 200 and something pound baby. Son of the gospel. So he don't have to adopt me. But some of you need to adopt me. Because if you don't adopt me, you're going to hurt the family business. And until you learn who we are, just pay attention. Open up your eyes. So I don't always say this. Men, you follow me. Ladies, you follow her. (laughs) Amen. She don't really like me to say that, but I enjoy that part a lot. Cost me nothing. And what we're going to do in the coming 12 months by this time next year we're going to see new people coming into the family and the body of Jesus Christ amen and so I would say to the men of the church that are a little older whatever that is come on men be pillars be strong don't don't be wishy-washy And I say to the mothers of the church, we desperately need you. Because without you, no one even knows how to conduct themselves. There's no decency in the world. The only decency is going to be found in the mothers of the church. Amen. Amen. And for the the young adults and the youth and the children, there's been a lot paid. There's been a lot of sacrifices just for us to get here. Be sober. Be diligent. Love what's been handed to you because it came through pain and blood and sweat and tears and agony. Amen. And if you're new to the house, just take it on as yours. This is your family business and you're part of the family business. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord. Oh, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Sustain us, Lord. Sustain this house, Lord, by your grace and by your mercy, Lord. Let there be a spirit of unity like there's never been before. Oh, oh, Lord Jesus. 
I give you praise and glory and honor. All of the glory belongs to you. It's never been ours, Lord. I worship you, Lord, with my life. Lord, now let there be a reply. Let there be a reply. Let there be a reply that no words can can say, that no symbol can, can magnify, but let the reply be our lives, Lord. Wherever you are standing, wherever you're watching this, wherever you're hearing this, lift up your hearts and your hands and in surrender, lift up your hand to God and say, I surrender. I want to be about my father's business. I'm here because I want to be about your heart.